Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you sick and tired of high electricity bills? Anywhere from $200 per month or higher? Do you own a home or business and have been looking for a reputable solar company to give you a no-pressure-free quote? Well, contact Ethical Solar Solutions today and see why hundreds of people are saving thousands of dollars every year making the switch to solar without spending a dime out of pocket. Get your obligation-free quote today. In this episode, I sit down with UFC and MMA legend Boss El Guapo Rutan, and we go into detail about Boss's inspirational rise from being bullied as a kid in the Netherlands to traveling the world and becoming a world champion in all different disciplines. Boss goes into detail about what it was like training with Ramon Deckers in the Netherlands and gives incredible advice to anyone interested in pursuing a fight career. You do not want to miss this episode. All right, we are back. Welcome back to Get Lost with Nick Hefke. Today, we have an absolute super legend as a guest here today. The absolute legend, Boss Rutan. Boss, please introduce yourself, brother. I'm Boss Rutan. What an unbelievable introduction. How are you doing, buddy? Good to see you. Good to see you too, boss. So, ladies and gentlemen, the way that boss and I has crossed paths and how we came in each other's lives is absolutely epic. This super legend right here, when I decided to go to Los Angeles to expand my solar company to the United States, boss was very open and welcoming in order to help me train and get back into the swing of things when I went over to California. I didn't really know too many people at the time. But I was blessed to have gotten into the presence of Boss, where Boss and I would train quite some time, a couple times a week for close to six months to a year while I was out there. And uh, it was some of the best training that I've ever had. It was some of the most fun training I've ever had. And uh, Boss, I just wanted to go into detail a little of how you got involved into martial arts, how you started martial arts, and just walk me through a little of how that journey all came together, starting from the source back over in the Netherlands. You know, it's a, it's a long story, Nick. Um, I, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit condensed because otherwise it's too much, I think. Um, I, I was a very sick kid. I got bullied. I had a very bad skin disease and severe asthma. So I was the leper in school. That's what they would call me. Uh, so bullied on a daily basis. I went on and on and on and on until I was 12. And I saw a Bruce Lee movie. And I realized if I would be like that guy, I could take care of the bullies. So it took me two years to convince my parents. Finally, they allowed me. I was taken under the wing by an adult to train with the adults as a 14-year-old kid. And from that moment, everything went fast. I mean, within months, I was dropping some of the adults in the class. Not the, not the top guys, of course, but, you know, adults. And, and I overheard them talking in the, in the dressing room about me. Now, as a kid, if you only hear negative stuff uh, from other kids, but then suddenly you hear adults speaking, up, you go like, dude, they just take the kid out. He's got a lot of talent. He just dropped Jack with a back kick to the body and everybody laughing, you know. So I started listening to that. That led into a, a, a fight with the biggest bully in my school. Shaki was his name. 
And uh, <laughs> he surrounded me with his bunch of cyclists. You know, they surrounded me with the cycles, uh, uh, the bicycles. He started challenging me, telling me I had to hit him. I did. And I, I knocked him out one punch, basically. You know, it was like was one of my best fights. But he was knocked out cold and his nose was broken. So now the police showed up because he had to go to the hospital. So my mom and dad pulled me off right away of, um, of martial arts because it was confirming for them that it was violence because that's why they wouldn't allow me for two years to two years to convince them. But I never told my parents that I was bullied. Uh, 100% certain if my dad would have known, he would have said, no, no, leave him on it. You know, but uh, I, I didn't want to be a bother. My mom had so much work with me, man. I she, Every night she had to put uh, bandages on my hands, creams on my arms. Oh, we'll rip them off in the middle of the night because it would itch. She would do it again. And for years this went on. You know? So I didn't want to be another bother. And that's why I didn't say anything. Anyway, now I got the taste. Now I start going after bullies. I made a list of all the guys that bullied me. And I went after those guys. Bully beater in school. Like I saw another kid that got bullied. Guess who together? Yeah. <laughs> so my fighting kind of started there. Started learning from books, boxing, you know, jumped in a boxing class here and there illegally, you know, not paying <laughs> with a friend of mine who was boxing. Um, and then when I was 21, I moved to the house, started doing karate. Very soon I started doing full uh, Thai boxing because I wanted to face a uh, fight full contact. Uh, <clears throat> within four or five months, I was fighting my first fight. That went really well, you know, I dropped a whole bunch of people. Uh, lost the fight uh, because I retired, so to say, from fighting. Um, took a fight on uh, when I was drunk. Bit <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then uh, so so they called me in January where where to send the posters to. I go, what posters? They said from the fight. I said, who's fighting you? I said, me. What am I fighting? They go, Frank Lopman. I go, the animal. What's his nickname? <laughs> they go, yeah. I go, when did I say that? They go, Christmas and New Year's. And I go, shit. Yeah, I did say that. So, man up, right? Now, I was I hadn't trained there at that moment because I was a bouncer for like two and a half years. So, I had three and a half weeks. When I asked to fight, was it was three and a half weeks. This is a guy who was 43 and over, like 39 knockouts. Not a smart decision for me to still take the fight. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did. A lot of went wrong. Doesn't really matter what went wrong. Um, I lost the fight. Um, and then I got spit out by the, by the Dutch audience. It was really weird. So, I won nine fights by knockout. All in the first round except one in the second. And now suddenly I was the worst fighter I was. So I didn't want to fight anymore. There's a little bit more to the story, but I want to keep it condensed. Otherwise, it's going to be a very long story. But I started doing these crazy shows because martial arts, I still wanted to do something. So I started going with a buddy of mine, Roland Johnson. He was also my taekwondo teacher. He was a really fast, good guy, very technical guy. I got a lot of my kicking from him uh, because he was full. He would knock out people in competition, so he would always get disqualified in taekwondo. But um, <laughs> shows in, in nightclubs. At midnight, the, 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 the sound would go down, it would turn black. Suddenly, ta-da, here we are, the spandex with pumped up bodies. And we start doing these crazy fight scenes, like choreographed fight scenes with nunchucks, with sticks, with long sticks, break desk, concrete. And that suddenly got on, you know, suddenly uh, people start enjoying that. So we went to more nightclub and then suddenly we went to uh, to show tie boxing shows and in the break we would do a show and on that on those shows i would come up with like backflips and you know like to the go, that's the way we would go to the ring we make like a cartwheel and go pop 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 a few flip backflips back somersault and then we will be at the ring you know and then chris dolman who was the godfather of mixed martial arts free fighting is what they called it in holland he stopped me at one of these events and i say listen i saw you tie boxing 
and you were a freaking animal, and now I see you do all these backflips and all this crazy stuff, maybe free fighting is something for you. That was pretty much it. So I tried it out one or two times, but I got injured here. It was a long drive all the way to Amsterdam. Didn't really interest me. Then one day the phone call went, and it was him. And I picked up my phone, which I never did, and the, and the answering machine was broke. So it was very hard to get a hold of me always. But he called, and I picked up. And he said, you got to jump in your car right now because there's two Japanese guys. They have a new organization called Pancras, and they're scouting for new talent. Yes. I went to Amsterdam, got in, because he had the organization rings. And one of his champions I had to spar with, but they just wanted to see technique. But this guy went really hard. He was like one of the champions from rings. So I told him to tone down that it wasn't necessary. They just want to see technique. So he turned it up. So I told him, I said, listen, it's okay for me, but it's not going to be one-way traffic. You have to understand, I'm going to do it back, right? So now it was up. So we had to bring a brawl. Short brawl, because a high kick him in the face. He went down, <laughs> need a whole bunch of stitches. And what do you know? The two councils, uh, guys are pointing at me. They say, we want him. That was it. September 21st, 1993. I was in Japan. Never been on a plane. And I was suddenly at the 13-hour play, play ride. Never been in a place like Holland, everything's tiny, you know, and like now you're in Japan. It's like America, it's like what the heck is going on? Uh, didn't know anything about the fighting. I didn't know the rules, what we're gonna do. I knew there was chokes and leg locks and all that stuff, but I didn't really have any anything to say in that. I was a strike and I was hoping to gonna stop the takedown, and that was it. Now the first fight went really well. Um it was a very scary thing. I always tell the people because there was no way in, in which I thought it was odd. But I thought, oh, you know, I'm facing a Japanese guy and they're known to be Honest, so uh, you probably don't wait. And then I go, well, like, wait a minute, did we actually talk about a weight class? I didn't know. <laughs> the next day, tall guy shows up to give me a hand, and I thought it was the promoter. There's a big guy, and I go, Oh, you're the promoter? He says, No, I'm fighting you tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think he said, What was it? Uh, it, it was he was 28 pounds heavier than I was, and um, <clears throat> and I go, Oh, and then the promoter walked up. I go, Listen, is he, is he not too uh, heavy? He says, no, no, no. Uh, there's no weight classes here, Mr. Rutten. I go, oh, okay, great. I say, okay, here we go. How many rounds do you fight? Says, One round. Great. How many minutes? And he goes, 30. And I go, <laughs> now, I was always a very explosive um, a fighter in Thai boxing. I, I didn't really have my con control in Thai boxing yet. You know, I couldn't do what I was doing in the gym. You know that as well as I do, as a lot of oh, fighters yeah. do. A lot of fighters are really good in the gym. Very technical, but they suck when they in fight. I yeah. was kind of like that, but because I had extreme power, a lot of uh, explosive power, I was able to knock a lot of people out. But if I would face a really tough guy like a Peter Earth or Nesto, who's all these guys, Rob Kamen at that time, that would be big trouble for me because I didn't have that under control yet. I was right. chaos, too nervous, I think, maybe too afraid to fail. So the 30-minute thing... It really got in my head. I go, shit, if I if I unload in the first one in a minute and a half and I can't get, take him out and Japanese guys are known to be tough, I'm going to have 28 and a half more minutes to go. I better be calmed down. So I put these big R's on my hands with a marker, which means rustig, which coincidentally starts with an R as well. Relax. Stay calm. Stay calm. You're my corner. Mm -hmm. my manager. I never had a coach because I always trained myself, so I never had a coach. So my poor, I do, he would only say, stay calm. Stay. If, I, I say, if they hit me, tell me to stay calm. I said, because I cannot get aggressive because I was a hothead. And then that together, I think, with the whole audience being completely quiet, that 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 immediately, listen, man, I was fighting, and while I'm fighting, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I mean, I could hear yes. people speaking in the first row. I knew what they were saying. I just heard my corner, everything he said, which I never did in Thai boxing. I was so much in control 
it was it was crazy. And I knocked the guy out. Palm strike, boom, he goes down, eight count. There was eight counts there. He got up. He had hands here, of course, full liver kick, hands go down. He, boom, he went down. And while he went down, I need him in the face. And that was, he went too hard. He was two days out, you know. And it was very scary because he didn't wake up. He was just, we woke up and go back. and woke up and go back. So it was a scary time for a moment. But, you know, thankfully he came out. Anyway, the next day I'm walking on the street. People are bowing to me. Like one in 15 people bow. I go, what's going on? No clue what went on. And I saw a newspaper, me in the, in the splits, hanging in the splits in the air uh, with the fighter knocked out below me. And I go, oh, I didn't even know I did the splits because I was just so happy after the fight. Apparently, I jumped up to all corners in the splits and it became my trademark now. Suddenly, it became the root and jump. I had to do it after every win, after every victory. So that was how it started. In the second fight, you know, I won again by knockout. Then the third fight, I lost by submission. Then I won a few more fights by knockout, won by lost by submission. Then a few of my knockouts. And then the last loss came against Ken Shamrock by knee bar. And that pissed me off. Now I got really angry. And now I said, okay, I need to know this game. But I didn't like the game. <clears throat> I said, well, I got to do it. So I found one guy, Leon, Leon Van Dyke. And we started training both together. Freaking super talented guy, 20 years old, super strong, really good striker. And like bizarre, he would curl out of an armbar. I mean, the guy was insane. So, <laughs> so um, we started training, and then I, I suddenly I got the bug. I just fell in love with it, and and as soon as I fell in love, with it, I became obsessed with it. And I started doing it two or three times a day. House full of posters, combinations. I was all day long. It, it completely absorbed me. And uh, well, I never lost a fight anymore after that. I won actually my last fight. I lost by knockout uh, by submission. The next eight, I won by submission. Seven submissions, eight by submission control. So I completely changed my game. And suddenly, bada bing, bada boom. Now, I started beating. Now I started winning, 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 winning. winning. I, started, I didn't lose anymore. So I started beating UFC champions who come over to, to Japan to fight. And then, of course, the matchmaker from the UFC, John Peretti at the time, came over to watch me fight. And after the fight, he said, hey, we want you. I said, cool. I got three more fights on the UFC contract. Oh, contract here. And by the way, what people don't realize, three fights that could be in the UFC could be a year, year and a half. There. Yeah. I mean, I, my first year, I fought there. And I eight fights. My next year, I fought nine fights. I mean, we fought so much because you weren't injured. You just kept on fighting. <laughs> Four or five months, I had those three fights gone. Moved to America in 97, May 1997, and then uh, started competing in the UFC. Won the first fight by knockout. Second fight, really tough fight against Kevin Randleman, who smashed my head in the first four minutes. And then thankfully, you know, after that, it, it, I started doing more, more work than him. And then they gave me a split decision victory. I won the UFC title. Now, by then, I had so many injuries, completely destroyed. Uh, I only wanted to one more time. I wanted to be the first person in history who had two belts because it was 200 pounds and under and 200 pounds and over. And listen, I was 197 when I fought for the title. I literally had to drink waters at the way from over 200. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a title fight because I was too <laughs> So for me, it was an easy drop to go to one uh, below 200 pounds and then go after Frank Shamrock <clears throat> because he was the UFC champion. And since I already fought him three times and beat him the last two, I thought this is going to be great. I'm going to be the first guy. Uh, Frank retired. Then I was going to face Tito Ortiz. Uh, then Frank came back and said that he um, he wanted to fight Tito. And after he would beat Tito, he would fight me. He beat Tito. And then he retired also. So now there was no fight. Now I didn't have the spark with all the injuries that I had. You know, to go through hell two and a half more months, I could do that for one really important fight. But I mean, the tendonitis, the pain I had, it was... Yeah. You know, if I train 45 minutes, tendonitis hits, and then I'm, you, you're in pain for an hour and a half, two hours, and it's an insane pain. There's nothing you can take for me. 
a cloudy mind. It, it was freaking. I was losing weight because I couldn't eat from the pain. It was, it was a nightmare. So I called it quits. Now, started doing movies, TV work, working for fight fighting championships, commentating. Did one more fight in 2006 uh, for the money, but kind of more for make me stop drinking because I was heavy drinking. I started, you know, I fell in the trap of not getting the high from fighting anymore. And then you try to replace it with something else, which most of the time is drugs or alcohol. And for me, the choice was alcohol. And I just drink an insanely amount, you know. And uh, and then I they offered to fight. And I look at my wife. I go, you know, I'm going to do it. He goes, why? He's stupid. I go, no, it makes me stop drinking. There's no way I can drink a train, right? So that's what I did. It stopped me just from drinking. So it worked out. But then again, it, it led me into a painkiller addiction. <laughs> <laughs> because all the, all the injuries I thought were gone, they all came back. <laughs> So when I fought, I fought, I fought, I beat him in the first round. Great with low kicks because I never want to fight by low kicks. So I had a checklist on that. <laughs> that was it. That was the end of my fighting career. And uh, Bada Bing Bada Boom started doing movies, TV shows. I had a show on TV inside MMA for nine years, a live weekly TV show. Having a gym, you know, just having a great life, doing video games, anti-bullying campaigns, working for Cartoon Network. I mean, you name it. You know, I did a lot of fun stuff. And uh, and now I'm here. Now I'm doing karate combat, which is a full contact karate league. Yeah, buddy. So yeah, we're gonna start doing live shows this season. So uh, you guys got to get ready. Go to karate.com, and then you check out what it looks like because it's a whole different level. We got Olympic level karate cuts doing full contact. So uh, yeah, we got the special there. <laughs> that's awesome, brother. I love it. Well, boss. Thank you very much for sharing all that with me. Your story is super inspirational. I find it incredibly awesome. And like I said, man, I uh, I always look at you as somebody that I've always found as somebody to be incredibly successful, somebody who I look at as almost a role model man, somebody who's very good at what he does. But even just, I guess, going in detail about that, I mean, never being onto a plane and that you've traveled only just by car, traveling around Europe. Now, if you're looking at it from your current situation and you're looking back at it now, I mean, boss, let's just go through it very quickly. <clears throat> World champion fighter, entrepreneur, successful movie star. I mean, you've been and done so much, traveled the world. I mean, what would you tell that boss Rutten back prior to making that decision to go all in on fighting, to go make a decision to gamble on yourself, go into the deep end, take a chance to move to a place like Asia, Japan, Thailand, wherever it might be, and risk and gamble on yourself and hope that a positive, better, more fruitful life might come out of it? What could be some advice that you can give somebody else who might be a little gun shy, who might be a little nervous to get onto a flight, to take a risk, to take a chance, to go to a different part of the world and take a chance on themselves. And who knows, maybe an incredible successful outcome might come of it. And I think you're a living example of that. So maybe walk me through that. Okay. So first of all, movie star, no, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a movie star. You can consider me uh, a professional actor if I make my money by acting. <laughs> so I, don't do that. I did a few good movies though, and I had a lot of fun doing them. Um, Listen, man, you have to take your chances in life. It's all about you. Um, it, it's about what you want. Uh, for, I was always mesmerized with America. 
I had drawings. I, I posted it on Instagram one time. Monogi the bird. He would fly to America. I had a Dutch pickup truck, a Buick. I mean, I had these big cars with the brick tires. I was American. I loved America. I always wanted to go to America. And yes, people were going to go like, oh, he'll be back. He'll be back. You know, not my friends because they knew, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good with succeeding when I, when I put my mind to it. Yes, you are. It is scary. You know, it is a different country. But, you know, what I said to these people, it's very simple. I say, yes, I might be back, but I want to try it out. Because if I don't try it out and I'm 60 years old and I'm too old, then I'm going to be an angry old man. I'm going to tell myself, shit, why didn't I try that? Why didn't I go to the country? You know, so <clears throat> it's just making the step, you know, because if you don't make a step, you, you never know what you're going. Sometimes, move, yeah, moving to a different country, moving to a new job, moving, all these things. If you hate your job, Start looking for another job. Start doing this. Is something like my, my, my dad instilled in me. He didn't hate his job, he had a great job, but he wanted to have a better job. And I remember for two years, he would come home around 10 o'clock at night. He would be done at five o'clock, but then he would go to after school training. And at 10 o'clock, he would be there. I remember because he would go to my, my bedroom and he would kiss me on the forehead. But I knew that he was making huge sacrifices because every day he had the five hours longer work day which was not work, but was studying. But, you know, that gave him a much better job. You see what I mean? So they always told me, <clears throat> you have to work for what you get, you know, and you have to take your chance. Sometimes you have to just do it. It's like a lot of, like a very hard emotional attachments. This, you know, oh, this thing, yeah, I got it from somebody. I cannot throw it away. Yeah, but you never use it. Throw the freaking thing away or give it away, whatever it is. You know, if it's an old T-shirt, throw it away. If it's a beautiful something, you know, maybe you make somebody else happy with it. Don't hold on to it. You have to learn to distance yourself from certain things and to take risks. And once you start taking risks, the world's going to be open for you. Look at every martial artist, every, every famous person. They all say the same thing in every interview. Don't stop. Do not quit because eventually you get there. It's how God works. It's how the universe works. You know, the guy who works really hard for it is the one who's going to get it, you know, and it just keep going. You know, and I thought, no, I'm just going to do it. And But on the other side, it's also, I had no direction. I was a complete insane person. I mean, ADHD, freaking no, I mean, <laughs> I was doing everything wrong. You know, and when fighting came along and suddenly I had a chance, I go, wait a minute, this could actually, I fought for 2,000 bucks. People go like, oh, you don't know what it is. $2,000 flying to Japan, well, 500 goes off, but then this goes off. You, you keep like 1200 bucks. It's not a way to, to live, but I knew yeah. I have a chance now. And the 2000 I remember after a few times, when you start winning, it became four, four and a half, six, eight. And suddenly it started to go bum, 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 getting better and better. And it's all because you make that first step. And it's stiff, it's, it's dangerous. Now, if you have a job that you hate, first study, make sure that you know everything about the job that you want before, of course. And all of them have to say, you don't throw your old shoes away before you have new one, right? And that's the same as with, with your job, you know? But do not stay there because you ruin your life. It's like being in a relationship where you hate your wife or your spouse. I mean, it makes no sense, you know? Yeah, I had a friend of mine, he said, uh, I hated it. Didn't have sex for three years. She's, I go like, Dude, why don't you divorce it? Oh, no, I'm going to divorce 100%. I said, you're 100%. So in three years, you're going to be divorced. Yeah, I said, why don't you do it today? Because first of all, you're lying to yourself and you're lying to her. That's not a cool thing. Plus your kids, they see it. She was a drinker. She was a drinker. They see it, uh, your wife was drunk all the time. It's not good for the kids. They're going to find, they're going to mm -hmm. end up with the same woman. And then their lives are going to be ruined just because you decided. Now it's 20 years later. He's still with her. Still the same problems. He's ruining his life. He's got no life. He comes home and it's, they don't say anything to each other. Why would you do that? Kick him out. This is one of the best things I ever did, you know, it's just cut, clean, 
and up to something new. It's your life. You have to endure it. It's not, you don't try to please other people. Screw that. You need to be happy because once you're happy, then you make the people around you happy as well. Dude, absolutely amazingly said. You legend, boss. I absolutely love it. And I couldn't agree with you anymore. And dude, like I said, man, just... Just seeing Boss Rutten at where he is today, and I've always been curious to see where Boss Rutten was when he initially started. And this is going back into Holland, back to prior to taking a step into a martial arts gym, prior to taking ownership of your life, and finally deciding, you know what, I have a lot more to offer to the world than, you know, this kind of walk through life with this blind zombie-like state. And to see that you take such a significant gamble on yourself to go into the deep end, to chase after a fight career, to really put yourself out there and take risks. And that is a focal point of this podcast is to get anybody who's sitting on the sidelines a little nervous or afraid to go out into the world to take a risk on themselves. I hope that my story, that your story and everybody else on this podcast might give them that extra push that they need in order to feel a little bit more confident to take a risk on themselves, pull the trigger and try. And um, I love your particular story. I love exactly how you've been able to, you know, fight some of your inner demons and still come out on top. So we find that incredibly inspiring. But I just wanted to circle back to training into Holland. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is when I initially walked into your gym, when you and I initially started training together, which I was super hyped about. Now, I had already trained with an individual that you know quite well. He's an absolute total legend. Love this guy with all my heart, John Wayne Parr. And I had trained with John Wayne Parr for three years over in the Gold Coast, learned his style, and it really got ingrained into my everyday motions. So one of the most interesting aspects of his style, especially when I started training with you, is I realized that both styles have a lot of similarities attached to it and a lot of really effective techniques. So I just wanted to go into detail about how that all came together, especially your style. And there's an individual that we're definitely going to have to bring up. Ramon Deckers, one of the one guys I wish I had the opportunity to train with. Rest in peace, Ramon. Um, but if you could just walk me through how your style came together and walk me through the training over in the Netherlands when you first started training and you started to really build a presence and walk me through that, boss. Well, um, after I stopped uh, Thai boxing, then, uh, you know, when I came back and had to train, at that moment, I was a huge Ramon Deckers fan. And uh, so I decided to go to that train, uh, cramp, uh, Meng Ho, to start training there. That's because I only have three and a half weeks. But if he trains there and he's Ramon, then I'll probably learn the most over there as well. So we started doing there, <clears throat> and that's where I found him. And then, you know, the Dutch style is, is an, more of an open stance, but still a little bit of blading. Yeah. But it's a little bit more open so you can rotate your body better, so you got more power on everything. And then I see Mike Tyson also. So Mike Tyson and Ramon Deckers, those are the two biggest influences in my life. You know, I thought with uh, Ramon standing there, every throwing, everything powerful, no jabs, no nothing, which is the same as Mike does as well. It's very simple, basic fighting. You hit somebody really freaking hard in the head, guess what happens? Defense goes up, there's the body. Hit somebody real hard to the body, guess what happens? Defense goes down, there's the head. That's how you set up things. So throwing these jabs, and you know, if I would fight now, I would do switching stances. I would start being more creative. But this always worked really well for me, really well for Mike, really well for Ramon. So 
Why would I sh- sh- uh, change something, fix something if it's not broke? So that was my style. I figured, okay, I'm going to be even more open, just like Mike Tyson, because now I can check low kicks much easier. Plus now I got everything counters. Now I kick from the left, or from the uh, they kick me with the right coach from this side. I can counter immediately. Can't do that when I blade. All these things start opening up, and then all these guys, you know, the technical guys, yeah, but you're an open target. Yeah, <laughs> all the guys I'm just talking about never went down to the body. So how is that possible? If they're an open target, it's so easy to hit them. Why don't everybody go down to the body? And you know, it's very simple because you learn, you know, you are an open target. So your defense is there, become automatically better. It's very simple, you know, but the powers you're going to get in return are just bizarre. I mean, I don't understand that no more people are fighting like that. I really, I do, please, really don't, don't believe it. Joe Way Power is actually also standing way more open stance. He's also tries to throw things with power, also doesn't try to throw a jab. Why not make it a straight punch? Because mine is not a jab anymore because I have my shoulders in one line. I can push up with my back foot, rotate the upper body. This is a straight punch. If you're fighting me and you're jabbing, I'll eat your jabs and I return for a cross. I live because they have no power on them. Why would I even block them? They could do, do, do boom, there's a cross back. <laughs> you can't do it with my punches. You can't do it with John's punches. You can't do it with Ramon's punches. Not with Tyson's punches. You're going to have to defend. And once you're going to have to defend, that means something else is opening up. It's very basic. If you think about it, again, hit the head, body opens up. Hit the body, head opens up. That's really what fighting is all about. And then if you can keep your control, you know, and, and me, I get obsessed with fighting. Like in my style, when I said, and it's not to put a feather on my butt, you cannot say anything to me that is not right. You cannot tell me, oh, but this boss, uh, have you have an answer? I will have an answer for everything if I break it down. Your footwork, everything will be better. Nobody can say it's not. You know what the great thing True. is? I stand very square open. I was doing this, uh, a short commercial for the body action system a long time ago. It's a punching device that I have. And I was a trainer of the stars was sitting there. And he was looking at us because we were a few martial artists. We were going over techniques just for fun. And this guy never did any martial arts in his life. But he was a very good and he understood body mechanics because he was a super highly elite trainer. And suddenly he walks over and he says, what is the difference then between both styles? I said, well, everybody's blading. And I showed that. And I said, I'd like to stand like this, open. And the first thing he says, he says, yeah, because now you can equally move forward, backwards, and to the side, because that's what that stance does. This stance, really good for forward and backwards movement, not for lateral movement. You see, and he saw it immediately, but he was not polluted by all these people who say, oh, you have to turn your head, <laughs> twist this, and do that. <laughs> it's all bullcrap. You don't need to do that. You know, it's actually telegraphing when you do it too much. If it naturally comes at the end, do it. But don't start doing it here because you're lifting your elbow before you punch. It makes no sense. But people want to be interesting because then it's cool. You do. Like I, I had somebody, he said to me, boss, and this is a famous fighter, by the way, and I'm not going to say his name. He says, I got it. He says, your style, he saw me break everything down. He says, perfect. From now I'm going to fight. He says, one thing though. He says, watch this. You said, don't turn, right? And he goes, watch this. If I do this, I got my arm here. And I, I look at him. I say, you mean like this? So I twist my hand back and I keep the shoulder here. It's the same. It's the freaking yeah. same. But he's been told that if you do this, you have the defense there. But he doesn't even think, wait a minute, I can do exactly the same thing by doing this, but just raising my shoulder and, and punching with no twist. And then he looked at me, he goes, okay, got it. And then I have another boxing coach, famous boxing coach with, with the liver shots. He says, that, that was the most hilarious thing ever. And listen, if you, if you know what I'm talking about right now, you're going to go like, there's no way. And uh, he says, boss, what do you do for people who have long arms? You know, who when they do this, they have their head protected and they have their body protected. And I told him, I said, I hit him here, high on the head. 
and, and he, he stands still and he goes, what the heck? I never thought of that. How stupid am I? He could not believe it. I said, if I hit you, hit him here, eye on the head, you force them to block, which will open up and then you hit the body. It's very simple. If I see somebody with long hands, I'm going to hit the forehead the whole time because I let him know there's the point she's coming and his hands are going higher and higher. There's your body. You see, but people, most of the time you tell them something and then they just take it. I never did that. I take whatever you tell me and then I'm going to see if I can make it better. Not an ego thing because it's just, hey, many times you can make it better. Many times you can make it fit better for you. You know, so that's also a great thing. And once you start experimenting with that, you're going to realize, wait a minute, there's way more ways to do certain things. And and I truly believe that helped me tremendously in my fighting career, just thinking outside the box, being different than other people. You know, Mike Tyson, or the, the reloads, right? You know, with the yep. reloads, oh, oh, yeah. got you in trouble in the beginning because not a lot of people are doing it. Yep. You know, spleen and a right uppercut. Tyson looked like six, seven, eight guys out with that. Why is no everybody doing this? I mean, he throws a left uppercut, left to liver shot, left, 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 pa, pa, pa. And then every time, everything he throws, he's rotating his upper body so fast. He is so successful with it, but nobody's imitating him. A few fighters are doing it and are very successful with it. I, I never understood people. Just do what great fighters do. This is how I got my techniques to do. I see a technique. Okay, here's the cool technique. Let's see the setup because most of the time they set it up before. And I start writing it down. And then I try it out in training. And then I see if I can make it better. And I do this with striking as well. If you see a knockout, most of the time there's a setup, you know, before that happened, maybe already minutes before. Now, 80% of the time, I will see the setup already. I go, oh, he's going to do this, watch, you know, but sometimes I miss it as well, human, you know, but once you start seeing this, write them down. Just write those combinations down. That's what I did. And then you bring them to the gym, you try them out, and the ones that you like at work, you keep them, and the other ones you throw out, you know. It's <laughs> they always say with Brazil, the crazy jiu-jitsu, what do you think they got it from? You think they made it up? they stole it too only they started adding their own little specialties just what i'm doing and they did the same thing with jiu-jitsu wait a minute we can make this better and then and that now becomes the gracie style you see what i mean but the stuff we've been doing for thousands of years it wasn't the freaking 648 before christ it was in the (laughs) olympic creation that was already armbar's jokes and even leg locks it's crazy and if you look at the book the tao viet kundo with with bruce lee dude there are stone holds, knee bars, inverted <laughs> hooks, heel hooks. Everything is in that freaking book. It's insanity. That's crazy. Boss, your fight IQ is absolutely next level. Like, that's the first real impression I got when I started training with Boss. I mean, dude, your fight IQ, there were so many things that you were literally seeing prior to even me throwing to be like, nope, can't do, get, nope, gotta turn, swivel more, swivel more, swivel more. And I really saw my technique sharpen and polish up so much better. And anybody, trust me, if you have the opportunity to train with this man, if by any chance that happens, you better do it. You will thank yourself for doing it. Just and, it, it, it is just, um, if I'm obsessed, Nick, I mean, you have ADHD as well. And oh, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it completely go wrong the wrong way. But if you if you hear this the correct way, you're super obsessive compulsive about something. Oh, yeah. I need to know something, the, a technique. I will know it today. And if I can today, well, tomorrow morning, I'm going to have it done. I, will, I can go the whole night. I spent three and a half hours. I tell the story to all the people. My first Thai boxing class was the different gym. And I got dropped right away with the liver shot by a professional Thai boxer. Because my hands from karate were here. 
He started hitting my head. Hence, my doctor, fast, poof, explosion in the body. First March fight, immediately took me out to the liver shop. And I'm like, oh, shit, what is this? And I went, <laughs> I went back. I lived across the street of that place. I stood three and a half hours, do 20 minutes, and then think about me doing three and a half hours for the, in front of the mirror. <laughs> yeah. This, this, constantly pulling my hands back here. The only thing I did, drank a tea, go back, boom, 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 ate something, go back, go back. And, and my girlfriend at the time goes, you're insane. I said, no, this will never happen again. And the next day I went back, I cleaned 85% of the gym out. Yeah. I, I was playing a trick on them. They thought that I already knew how to box, that I just acted like I didn't. And now I was going to come out. I said, no, I spent three and a half hours in front of the mirror yesterday. But that's me, you know, and everybody can do the same thing. It's just putting the work in, man. You have no clue. If I say I'm obsessed. I'm waking up my my wife in the middle of the night because I dream of submission. I put her in the submission. That's obsessed. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, and not one time, two times, three times. No, this happened a bunch of times. You see what I mean? <laughs> Once I go into something, I want to know everything about it. I want to be completely, make 100% safe. And then I want to bring it over to other people. And yes, and this is not, again, this is not for all look at me. There's two things in life that I know I can do it as a fight. I can fight, but I think I'm an even better coach. And I can because I can yeah. see mistakes right away where people make. I just see it, you know, and, and I know immediately. And I, I trade for big guys, even John Jones and other guys who go like, I just give them one line and they go like, holy crap, this is crazy. And suddenly I'm more explosive, more alert, you know, and, but that's, but I enjoy it so much. And because I enjoy it so much, I try to cover myself on every little thing that there is. Nobody can tell me it's not that way. And if it is, by the way, because it might happen, I'm not perfect, you know, but if somebody says to me, actually, you can do a better doing it like this. From that moment on, I will do it like that. And not only that, I will always give props to that person. If you look at my my, my boss suit and the, my big DVDs of combat, you know, this is a like look I learned from so-and-so. This one I learned from him. This one, I always tell that. I always say this one, you know, where I have the uh, the, the, the combinations from because those, taught, those guys taught it to me and I feel... You know, they need to, they deserve a little bit of praise for that. I love it. I love it. Boss, dude. Well, look, we, uh, we're just getting to the very end. So I've got one last question for you, boss. I ask every single person who comes on to this show, the same question. So it's okay. If you need a little bit of time to think about it. Now, if there is one thing that you would like to be remembered for, what would it be? Just being a decent person, just being a guy who goes out of go, goes out of his way to help his friends and family members. I think that that I think that's the most important. You know, this this is literally a question that I ask my students. You know, Henry Ford came up with that question: How do you want to be remembered? And if you tell that to an, uh, <clears throat> a student, for instance, who just wanted to do a start a mixed martial arts career, how do you want to be remembered as the guy with all the talent? But, you know, who, who never trained hard enough because he was so good in the gym, he never really pushed it and started losing because of stamina. Nah, I don't want to be remembered like that. You want to be remembered as the guy who took PEDs and got caught? You don't want to be remembered like that. Like, you, how do you want to be remembered? <clears throat> and for all the fighters who are watching and all the, the beginning fighters who are watching, it's not about the getting the championship belt. I'm, I'm, you know, when I look at the very end, I look back, it is about the recognition you have from your peers. You know, if those guys are saying, like, I know fighters, and we all the fighters know other guys out there who are top 15. They're not top one, probably never top one. Somehow this it doesn't work for them, but they're a freaking nightmare to fight. You know, and every time with these guys, and I hear that, I say, you're fighting who? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
well, you, you're probably going to win, but dude, this is going to be a freaking war because that guy always brings it. Guys like that, that's what I look up. Guys like who have no athletic abilities and then still become a world champion. I mean, there's some fighters out there. I, Tim Sylvia, a long time ago, I asked him also, right? If you look, I mean, his feet were inside. He's like this big, loggy guy, so right? Champion of the world, dude. He put way more hours in it than anybody else on this freaking planet. We do it with four hours a day. He just does eight hours. He has to work harder. And look what happened to him. He freaking became a really good champion. See, those people I have way more respect for than all these super talented guys. And thankfully, I'm not one of those guys. I, I learn a lot and I train hard, but I'm not super talented. Super talented, those guys, many times you see them lose by way of uh, stamina because they're so good in the gym and they just work circles around people. They never put pressure on them and they don't get tired. Thankfully, I never had that, you know? So, uh, that, uh, I, and I would make myself really tired before I would start with spar with people who are less uh, technical than I did. So I get really tired and then I would spar with them. I would find ways around it. But though most of the time, those guys, they, they break somehow because it's too easy for them in training and it doesn't need to be, it, it has, it cannot be too easy. You need, you need to grind man. because the more you grind, <clears throat> all those guys like a Tim Sylvia, those guys who have worked double the amount of time than you have to do. They don't, they don't want to give it away because they worked way too hard to give it away. You see what I mean? There's always pluses and minuses with being talented and not. And I'm always being happy that I was in the middle. I was not super talented and I was not very low. I was just talented enough and trained very, very hard. I absolutely love it, boss. And I couldn't agree with you anymore, brother. And look, I'm just going to wrap things up right here. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, brother. Thank you again for coming on board. And is there anything else that you'd like to say before we end this podcast? No, I always say don't assume things, right? That's uh, we, we, we as people were such a, in a, in such a hot-headed uh, now with all politics and everything. And, and, and you assume that you know what's going on. And based on that, your pride is taken over. And then you shout at other people of different beliefs. Stop doing that. You never know what's real. You never know the real story. I always give this example, right? Imagine there is an, uh, an, 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 uh, a new show that doesn't really like me, but they have to do the news, right? And you see me standing on the top of a building with a bunch of little kids standing there, and I grab the kids, and they're screaming, and I'm throwing the kids off the building, screaming down, ah! <laughs> and they're fighting me, and I'm throwing them down the building. I'm going to put a bullet in my head, right? Now there's another little show who does like me, or just says, spread the normal news, and they go like, no, we, they showed the, the real story here, and they pan out the video. And now you see I'm on the top of a burning building. You know, and downstairs there's the uh, the fire department with one of those big pillows, and they're catching the kids that I'm throwing down. Now I'm a hero. Ten minutes, Thank you very ten much seconds ago, you want to put a bullet in my head, episode and now I'm suddenly a hero. That's what I'm trying to say. If you you enjoyed don't know. This episode, the guy who crossed you off in traffic, you know, oh, he's an asshole. He's not. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's a Nobel Prize winning physicist. Maybe he just had a telephone call from that his wife or kids are in the hospital, and that's why. Don't assume that you know what to do, because ninety five percent or higher, and you can look this up. It's all been. Uh, looked out after you're wrong you're wrong i'm wrong everybody's wrong with their assume stop freaking assuming just treat people with respect just you know that's it and that will that will that will solve so many problems you have no idea yeah but this guy said that. no it's easy <laughs> you heard it and you assume that is right and that's why you're starting shouting first figure it out go online figure everything out from both sides and then you make your uh, statement whatever it is but to listening to one or two people I will never do that anymore. I dug a few holes for myself in the past with that. 
and uh, with good friends that I had to apologize profusely against. Uh, no, I didn't have to, but I did uh, because they're friends and they said, don't worry about it. But it's, it's important that you do that. So don't pull the trigger before knowing what you're talking about. I love it, brother. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Grandmaster, Boss Rutten, UFC champion, legend. And next week, we look forward to it. Boss, thank you again, brother. Godspeed. Osu. I always say, and by the way, guys at home, that's O-S-U. It's not O-S. It's O-S-U. O-S-U means push. Shinobu means endure. Oshi, Shinobu, those two words together is O-S-U. Osu. To push and to endure. Awesome. Godspeed, Nick. <laughs> Godspeed, brother. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Get Lost with Nick Hefty. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with all your friends and make sure to tune back next week where we have another epic episode for you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.